Welcome back to Let's Talk About God, where we're going to talk about God. That's what we do. Pretty pumped. Pretty pumped. We, uh, we've got a different view today. Some guys are doing work in our church lobby, so there's a lot of noise. So we're here in the, kid, the kids' church building in some random storage room. It, it, it really is. We're not in our uh, undisclosed bunker yeah, where, we, <laughs> where we normally uh, do our recording. It's but, also the afternoon, and we usually do it in the morning. We're just a, mixing it up. It's just a. It's just. It's twenty twenty. It's twenty twenty. It's twenty twenty. So well. But, but twenty twenty is just about over. That is true. And Merry Christmas to everybody. That is yes. Merry Christmas. We're uh, we're right here on the verge of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And um, hopefully you have all your decorations out and everything, including a nativity scene, which I mm-hmm. guarantee you has Mary and Joseph in it. Man, you're going for it early, just stealing all of my thunder. This is ridiculous. God, Two episodes in a row. Just stealing my thunder. Booyah. Gosh, gosh, I don't like this. I don't okay. like this feeling. I, I promise my... You don't have to promise. No, I'm, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. I resolve that in 2021... I will not steal your segues anymore. Mm, thank you. And I'll let you segue. That's a good New Year's resolution. I like that. That's a thank good you. New Year's resolution. So are you excited about Christmas? I am pumped about Christmas. We love Christmas, don't Christmas we? Christmas is awesome. We've had our stuff up since like October 31st, not going to lie, since Halloween. We've been ready to go. And so counting down. You've had your Christmas tree up. Oh, yeah. Our children's pastor, she puts up like, what'd she say, three and she did it, I think, November 1st. Yep. And then our Gabe, me- yeah, our, our media pastor put his, and then our uh, our music leader, worship leader, he does, I think he does his pretty early. Mm-hmm. So it's all you millennials. Y'all want Christmas the last enjoy it. two months. I don't, I I enjoy don't blame it. you. You know, it's 2020. We need some hope. We need we some need hope. We need some joy. Some joy. We need a little Christmas. Yes. Right here in this minute. Sounds like a song. <laughs> What's your favorite Christmas carol? Oh, or favorite Christmas song? Not Christmas um, carol, Christmas White song. White Christmas, easy. Classic White Christmas. B- Bing Crosby, Bing White Crosby. Christmas. Yeah. yeah, nobody else can sing it like, bing Like, that's like, you you can't hold any other song up to it. It's so good. Favorite Christmas album? Favorite Christmas album? It's probably Michael Buble's. Just because it's the nice combination of classic and modern. Yep. So you still get all of those classic songs and sounds, but you get some new stuff in there. So Okay, so I got to go back, but it has stood the test of time. It's got to be Mariah Carey's. That's a good one, That's too. Like That's a really good one. Top of the list. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think if you were even born yet when she put that out. That's how long ago mm-hmm. that was. Because uh, we were still in Greer. I was still a youth pastor. I wasn't a senior pastor back Dang. then. And uh, I remember when that, because your brother was tiny, little, so I don't even think you were born yet. That's crazy. So that had to be sometime in the 90s. But, oh, man, that album, like every song on there Mm -hmm. is is just she she knocked it out of the park. But I love the Michael Buble. Mm -hmm. I like the Michael Buble Christmas specials. I love that he does that. Like, who does that anymore? I like that big band sound. Uh It's just, I think it's. I think it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So, favorite Christmas mo- movie? Hmm. White Christmas again? Or no, 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 not that. It's like it's an in between of the Christmas Story and Elf. 
Now, which Christmas story? Like Red Ryder BB Gun. Oh, Little Ralphie. Yeah. I love that. It's such a great movie. A lot of people, do, especially in the South, don't like it, but I think it's because it seems like it's set more in the industrial mm-hmm. north, and having lived up north, I feel a little bit more of affinity when I grew up up north. Uh, but if you yeah. grew up in like Pittsburgh or something, yeah. I feel like you'd love that. Exactly. It kind of makes you think about that, mm-hmm. but yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to say fragile? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's You're going to so shoot funny. your eye out, kid. <laughs> I mean, there's some funny funny parts in that. I love White Christmas, the movie, mm-hmm. with Bing Crosby. And was it Danny Kay, right? Danny Thomas, Danny Kay, Danny Kay. I always get them confused. But, um, yeah, and like, uh, um, oh, who's the other The woman is um, Mary Clooney. Mary, what's her name? Could not tell you. Everybody right now is yelling at me right now. Um did you know who she is? That's George, George Clooney's, Clooney's aunt. aunt. Yeah, that's right. Exactly Didn't right know about that. Yeah, and that is just a great movie, and I, I love that one. That's I think, crazy. yeah, I think that's a good movie. So, um, anyway, Christmas. Christmas is just awesome. It is. I'm just loving it. it like I have a post Christmas depression usually on the 26th because it's like you built all this up and it's just over in a moment. Yeah, yeah, that's so, the problem. But, that's the problem with it. Well, on a, on a brighter, lighter note, we need to talk about two of the main characters of the Christmas story, other than Jesus. Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph. You alluded to it earlier. You punned to it earlier. I did. And I pulled an, I pulled an Evan. I've enjoyed some of our like character highlights recently. We recently did John the Baptist. Now we're doing Mary and Joseph. I've enjoyed kind of... You know, looking at their lives is kind of a good time. Really enjoyed it. So yeah, and and so what are we going to do today? I so mean, today what, we're going to just kind of individually break down Mary and Joseph, show their role in the Christmas story, and show their theological significance. They're more than just kind of you know supporting just cast. vessels or yeah, supporting cast. Or they're not necessarily on the peripheral, but they who they are. Where they come from truly does add value to our understanding of the Christmas story. And so we're going to break them down. So okay. 30 second definition. I'll answer this one. Who are Mary and Joseph? It's the mother and the father of Jesus. Joseph could technically be called the stepfather if you want, but come on, the legal mother and father of Jesus, the son of God. Yeah. The earthly, his earthly parents. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Let's go for it. So let's start with Mary. Mary really kind of holds the most significance, I'll say, because she is the biological mother of Jesus, uh, because she fulfills some Old Testament prophecy. We can spend most of our time on Mary, and then we'll close out with Joseph, who still has some major importance for who Jesus is and what he came to do. So first, let's talk about Mary. Um, uh, As usual, where we can, let's start with an Old Testament background before we look at her in the New Testament. Mary fits within a category of what we would call supernatural birth narratives. So if you're familiar with the Old Testament, there's all kinds of these crazy birth narratives of these women who are too old or just are infertile, who end up having a really important person for the kingdom of God and has a supernatural element to it. And so this is kind of a theme throughout the way that God works. So we think of Sarah 
who had Isaac at an old age. Yeah, I was going to say, so the first one came to my mind was Abraham and Sarah. That's right. So they're old, they're beyond childbearing mm-hmm. years. It's a biological, I have a phrase right here that's going to keep coming up. It's a biological impossibility. That's right. And God comes and promises to them, you're going to have a son. It happens. We think of Manoah's wife, the mother of Samson. She was infertile, but she ends up having Samson, who's a great judge for the nation of Israel. We think of Hannah, who supernaturally had Samuel, though she couldn't have children. Um, and Samuel was a great prophet. He's the one who prophesied to David uh, that he would always have a king on his throne. Great prophet. We think of Elizabeth, finally, who is, though not in the Old Testament in the sense of like the the biblical canon, if you will, who was the greatest prophet of the Old Covenant, John the Baptist. Well, Elizabeth had John the Baptist despite her old age. Which happens to be Mary's relative. Exactly. Cousin, probably. That's correct. Okay. And the forerunner of Jesus, that's who John the Baptist is. So the parallels are in each account, God, like you said, overturns the laws of nature to bring about a child, a biological impossibility. With the exception of Hannah, all of the women receive news of their pregnancy from an angel. That's interesting. So they're they're told before from a messenger. Both Hannah and Mary have songs of praise with strong literary and theological connections. So we see that from Mary. Hannah sings praises to God. Mary, we have the Magnificat. Um, so we have those songs together. And so the authors of the Gospels most likely saw a connection. They They're probably thinking in their minds, Mary is following in the footsteps of all these great women who have born uh, these fantastic people under supernatural circumstances. They're probably thinking of that, and we should honestly probably think of that too. Before we move on, do you think there's something, do you think there's a reason God just took pleasure in um, these supernatural birth narratives? Is there something about it that God would do this repeatedly? Well, yeah, I mean— because then whoever that child was that was born came here by the hand of God. Mm-hmm. And so that makes them special. Not that we all aren't special, but it made them special in their roles mm-hmm. and responsibilities. Yeah, And so um, it, it brought attention to them that this isn't just an ordinary child. Mm-hmm. There's something extraordinary about this child. The hand of God is upon him. Let's see what happens. And it, look, if that... If you're born that way, and as you get older, all through your life, you're told you're you're a miracle child, mm-hmm. then that will have an impact on you and your faith in God. I think that would have an impact. So um, very clearly, but obviously, the most obvious reason why this Jesus birth is extraordinary and supernatural is because the other difference is that there was natural procreation with the birth of all those other children. Mm-hmm. Even though there was infertility and and the p- p- people were beyond childbearing years, and I, I, my little joke is the plumbing didn't work, you know, that kind of yeah. thing is my little joke I use. But but with Jesus, it had to be supernatural. Mm-hmm. That Joseph was, like, like we said, he was not involved in this other than parenting mm-hmm. Jesus as he was raised and providing for him and raising him. So th- that's the difference is that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. That's right. And that's what makes her, while there are similarities here, that's what makes her stand out from any other Mm -hmm. woman in this list. Yeah. I think the the reality of everyone else was infertile, meaning that they were married, but they just couldn't have a kid biologically. 
Mary yeah. takes it a step further and she's not even married. Like yeah. she is a virgin. Yeah. Like this takes the stup- the supernatural step even further. further. And so we we see just how special Jesus is. So Mary's fulfilling that. We know that she's really important, but Mary in you know, having Jesus as a virgin fulfills a very important prophecy. Now, if you listen to our last episode, you're already familiar with this. We've already gone through this. I don't mean to be repetitive, but this is a really important part of Mary. But if you haven't listened to the last episode, hey, you get something brand new. But um, Mary fulfills a prophecy made by Isaiah, found in Isaiah chapter 7, um, verse 14. And so Matthew, to reiterate, records that all of this, uh, he says, so all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And so Isaiah prophesies that there's going to be a virgin who's going to have a child that's going to be a sign that God is with us and is actually going to fulfill God with us to be you know, God with us. So um, Mary is actually playing an important role here because it's not just that Jesus was prophesied about, but that Mary, that a virgin was prophesied about. So she's fulfilling a very, very important role as someone, you know, bringing the Messiah to save the world. 700 years before her birth, she was prophesied about. Isn't that crazy? That is. That is wild. And so we see, and we can just touch on this real quick, that um, that as we take a look at Mary, she plays a very important part of Jesus being the Messiah, the anointed one, the, the king and the savior who's going to save the entire world and deliver us from our enemies. In the original context, we talked about this more in last episode, that um, there were enemies attacking Israel and God basically gave a sign that said, I'm going to be with you and deliver you from your enemies. Well, in the same way here with Jesus, Jesus is God with us, and the virgin birth is a sign that God is with us, and he's going to deliver us from our enemies, not physical enemies, but spiritual enemies. And Mary plays an important role in what Christmas is all about. Yes, and by being a virgin shows that he was not of earthly descent, mm-hmm. but rather of heavenly descent. Yeah. That as the God-man, his humanity came through Mary, uh, but his divinity was his from all eternity. That's right. And that he was the son of God. And so that is, is a really important thing to think about with her being a virgin. Mm. That's really good. And I think that's something we didn't really highlight last episode, but something that we can really focus in on this episode is that it is God in the flesh. And so no one could accuse them of, you know, of Mary and Joseph of having a child, it really stands out that this is God becoming a man through supernatural means. There's no way it could come through regular procreation. And so God has come down to us to save us. One of the most important doctrines out there that Jesus is both God and man. And it had to happen. This and he way. came in the flesh. That's right. So let's, um, let's continue to look at Mary in the New Testament. Um, and it's real, real simple, and, and it's basically that Mary is the virgin. So in Matthew one eighteen, the narrator alludes to Mary's virginity and explicitly mentions the Holy Spirit's role in the conception of Jesus, saying when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be child from the found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. In Matthew one twenty, the angel implies that Mary was a virgin by assuring Joseph, "Do not fear to take Mary as your wife." For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
Matthew 1, 24 through 25 emphasizes Joseph was not involved in the conception of Jesus by stating that Joseph married Mary, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. So Matthew's very careful to preserve Joseph was not involved in this. Luke chapter 1, verses 27 twice refers to Mary as a virgin. In Luke 1, 34, Mary questions Gabriel's announcement of her pregnancy by stating, how will this be since I am a virgin? And then in Luke 1.35, Gabriel emphasizes the Holy Spirit's role in Jesus' conception, stating, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Yep. And so we just want to say that we're not merely speculating. We're not trying to come up with a doctrine um, just for ourselves or whatever. The Bible makes it explicitly, explicitly clear that both Mary and Joseph knew this is a virginal conception. This is some supernatural stuff going on. And Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And so that's what we see here. Yeah, exactly. And we talked about this in the last episode, how in, in uh, Isaiah 7, 14, um, that the word that was used there for the Virgin shall conceive mm-hmm. and cause name Emmanuel was Alma, which can be either an uh, um, a, an unwed, like a young woman of marital age, or an actual virgin. Mm-hmm. The Greek word parthenos that you're that we read here that you refer to um, is an actual virgin. Yeah. Okay, a virgin. Well, I'm not going to say what that is, but we know you know who's yeah. not have relations. And uh, and you know Mary even said, "How is this? Because I have not known a man." Mm-hmm. And in the Bible, if you don't know what "no" means in the Bible, sometimes <laughs> it, it has. Sexual connotations yes. in a in a good way, in a marital way. So, um, but I noticed, like in your notes, and I, and I was wondering if we were going to talk about this somewhere, somehow. Where did this concept come from about Mary's perpetual virginity? So, what explain what that means, real quick, before we talk about okay, it. So what is perpetual, perpetual means forever, yeah, going on and on and on for forever. So, Mary's perpetual virginity. That that I guess what, what does it mean? It means that she was. That she was a virgin, and that even after she gave birth to Jesus, she was still a virgin, mm-hmm. and she stayed a virgin her whole life. her whole life till she died. Basically, yeah, the idea is that though she had Jesus, she's still considered a virgin, and then that she never had relations with Joseph, never had other children. That she was always a virgin for the rest of her life. It's you know, it's what's called Mary's perpetual virginity, and um, there's. There's a lot of talk about it because what you'll find is most, mostly today in um, Roman so, Catholics. Yeah, I was going to say, where did this come from? The Roman Catholics? Well, I'm going to say that it came from the Roman Catholics, but today you'll see Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, uh, many Anglicans, even Lutherans um, believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary. And, and, if, and it's from this verse in Matthew where mm-hmm. it says, And Joseph being roused from sleep, as after the angel talked to him, uh, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took. T- to him, his wife, Mary, and the verse says, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And so they take that phrase, did not know her, um, and say that he never knew her. There's that. Um, they say that the word until does not necessarily mean that the thing has to happen, but it's uh, it's just a way of speaking like until that happens, even though it doesn't have to happen. And then one of the biggest is um, the term Adelphi. And it, so Adelphi for brother and Adelphi for sister. 
So um, the early church father, Jerome, talked about who wrote the Latin Vulgate. So he's translating from Hebrew and Greek um, into Latin. And he says that this word in Greek um, doesn't necessarily have to mean brother or sister, but can mean something like relative or cousin. And you're making reference to the verse where they said, "Is not are not his brothers here with us, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't you, are you shocked I knew Jesus' brothers' names? And are not his sisters here with us? That verse and um, when Jesus says, who are my brothers and my sisters? Because, you know, they're calling him crazy. Yeah. And, you know, those who do the will of God are my brothers. So and they're going to question that. Okay. So anyway, some of you maybe say, like, I didn't even know this was a thing. But it, it is, is a thing. thing. And it's not a thing with us, though, uh, because I'm of the opposite. And I think I think the Bible says to me, he did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And then I think he knew mm-hmm. her in that intimate way of husband and wife to procreate. And then I think they had four uh, biological, he had four, he had four boys and two, at least, at least two girls, maybe mm-hmm. three or four. Cause they yeah. didn't say they just said sisters. So there were at least two. So they had, Mary had six children beyond the birth of Jesus. Can I just play devil's advocate for fun? Yeah. So there are some early church fathers like Tertullian and others who believed that he had kids. And then there were others like Jerome and Origen and those who believed that she was perpetually a virgin. And this actually took hold like in the church's tradition. And check this. Even Luther, John Calvin, and John Wesley all believed in Mary's perpetual John Wesley did. All three of them um, held on to that belief. And so a lot of the rationality is this, um, that Mary's womb is so special that she bore literally God that uh, it would be something that she would never do again because it was made, in a sense, a holy or a sacred Sanctified. Yeah, it was sanctified. And so she would never again have brothers and sisters. Who knows? It's not, you know. Well, I th- I think to carry it on then, devil's advocate, <laughs> is that if you go on, James, so if you're going to say he's a cousin or a relative, James went on to become the head of the Church of Jerusalem and an apostle. Well, here's another theory, right? So um, Jerome takes cousin relative. Um, origin would say that, and many others, but just here's one, um, would say that Joseph was an older man and that his wife actually died, and so he had children from another marriage is the theory. Okay. And so that would be Jesus's brothers All right. in a sense. All right, so here's the problem in hermeneutics. You, you, you don't ever argue from silence. There's, that, that's the worst argument in the world. Mm-hmm. So to say that Joseph— was older, and it's really speculation. It is speculation, yeah. It's and so all you theory. speculate when the obvious is he was married to Mary, and and then the natural thing would be was that he would have children through her. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so it just it doesn't seem to make sense of, of the natural sense. You know, another process of hermeneutics is is what's called the, the natural sense, mm-hmm. is is whatever it says, just let it say that to you. Don't make it. But when we start manufacturing, uh, and, and the early church fathers did some of that. We rely on the early church fathers, but they did some manufacturing. Um, uh, I would argue that they were his biological 
um, stepbrothers and sisters, if you will, in that sense, that they were the, the children of Joseph and Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would just have a hard time, you know, seeing it any other way. Can I keep going just for fun? Yeah. Just fun? Okay, so here's a couple more arguments that they would make. Um, one, they would basically say that there's a concept uh, in that time that it's possible that a woman would declare herself um, a virgin forever to devote herself to God. And then in those instances, an older man— They who, get that from the Old Testament from uh, the judge whose, wife, whose daughter he said he'd sacrifice— Maybe I'm not. I'm not sure about okay, that. Anyway, go ahead. Um, so that a that a woman would basically say she would be consecrated to God. I'm going to be a virgin. I'm going to serve you forever. And then an older man who uh, maybe is a widower or just never got married or whatever would enter into a into a relationship that is uh, non conjugal or anything like that, and he becomes almost a guardian to provide financially and different things like that. So those, there are those who would say that what Mary is is a young girl already devoted to God, and then Joseph, an old widower, has come along to just protect her and help her there. Yeah. Um, and then here's the next thing is that they would say this. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, why would he tell John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son? Why would he entrust John to take care of Mary if Mary has all kinds of living like children to take care of her, would it, wouldn't it be considered shameful in their day for her own biological children to not take care of her after Jesus is gone? Yes, except that we know that his siblings did not believe in him. They did not believe in him until after the resurrection. They doubted him and mocked him and thought that he was just crazy. And so they would, they would, they would be like, have you ever had the unbelieving family member who just ribs you all the time because mm-hmm. of your faith in Jesus Christ? That's what they did to Jesus. They ribbed him all the time and mocked him. So when he died and Mary was there, because a lot of people think Joseph had already died mm-hmm. and being older, uh, it doesn't, I don't have any problems with thinking that none of the siblings would have been there. First of all, they may not have known about it. And and uh, because he was arrested in the middle of the night, the thing was kind of rushed through. Mm-hmm. They would have been asleep and maybe living in other places if they were in wherever. Yeah. If they were if they were up in in um, Nazareth or even Capernaum, they weren't in Jerusalem. All that took place in Jerusalem. So it's very possible. Here's the alternative: is that the reason he did say to John, "Take care of my mother," is because the rest of them weren't there. Mm-hmm. They weren't even there. They were off. They they had to probably find out after the fact their brother had been crucified. Do you think it's more like an immediate context? Yeah, and so he looks at John, who uh, you know, who's the beloved, and mm-hmm. says to John, "John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. Is take care of my mother because I can't trust my unbelieving, mm-hmm. my unbelieving brothers and sisters. Yeah, they don't even know what's happening. I need you to take care of my mother right now. That's good. I've never even heard that before. Yeah." I just wanted to have fun with that. I was okay. hoping you would not look at those notes I, and I not didn't. prepare for it. I no, I didn't. That's my favorite. I could I could be an early church father. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a late church father. A late church father, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's hilarious. All right. Well that's that. Maybe you just learned something new today. You didn't even know that was a thing. Let's move on to Mary's faith. So we know Mary plays an important role, and we're even going to talk about that anymore, but we can look at biblical characters and find things about them that we can uh, admire or learn from, different things like that, 
Mary was a woman of faith, and this is something that we can look at. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Mary says, um, it says, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary is this young girl, uh, randomly approached by an angel, this crazy experience after 400 years of dead silence from God, and just shows up and says, you're going to have the Messiah. Like, that's crazy. And she's probably, a lot of scholars think, a teenage girl. A teenage girl. And then compare her with Zecharias, who's a grown man, a priest, and does not trust the angel, but she... She does not doubt. She asks, how is it going to happen? But not in a doubting way, but in a sense that just says, I'm a virgin. Like, just can you explain this more? And so it's pretty, like, admirable to have this wild situation. And she has this true childlike faith that says, I don't really understand all this, but I know God's going to do it. Yeah, then here I am. I'm a humble servant. Do whatever you want. Where Zacharias, Zacharias questioned the what. Mm -hmm. He was questioning God doing this. And that was doubt. And boy, he, you know, he was mute for nine months. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just questioned the how. Yeah. She's like, okay, I believe the what. I just don't know how this mm-hmm. is going to happen That's because right. I'm a virgin and I'm a teenage girl and not married yet. Mm-hmm. And how's this going to, you know, so she was just wondering how the mechanics of the thing, how's this going to come to pass? But it was an incredible faith. And I think the comparison you make, I, I kind of think the same thing as Zacharias <laughs> knew the law and he was supposed to be a, a spiritual leader. Yeah. But that just goes to show right there that you can be older and you can be, quote, unquote, a spiritual leader. And and when confronted with the un, an unbelievable situation, you know, of the work of God, you, it may put you in doubt. I mean, mm-hmm. you have a choice to make. But it also shows that if you're young in the Lord, that or, or you're young, period, if you're listening to this and you're young, is, is that you can have incredible faith. And God mm-hmm. can do incredible things through you. That's right. And so that ought to be encouraging and I, you know, I was, I, you're a student pastor now. I was a student pastor for 10 and a half years. And one of the things I loved about teenagers is they're like, yeah, I believe. Let's go do it. it. Let's go for it. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go take over the world. Let's go win the world for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Let's just, and I love that. And I think, you know, David was probably a, maybe a teenage boy when, mm-hmm. older teenage boy when he beat Goliath and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego may have been teenage boys. I mean, you just look at, uh, um, the young young people and young adults, yeah. students, student age, they're in the Bible. God used them mightily. Some of our that's favorite right. stories were probably about teenagers. Yeah, that's why I love like when when Jesus tells us like you need to have faith as a child. Obviously, Mary is old enough to be able to have a child, but for all intents and purposes, she is a child. Still, she's not a fully developed, mature adult like Zacharias was. And so I still, even in youth, even in teenage years, I think there's a sense in which there is a child-like young person, like trust, faith, naivety, even if you want to say that says, you know, I haven't seen all the messed up this of, of the world yet, but I trust in God, whatever he says goes, right. you know. And so I, I think that's a great thing to emulate. Yeah, she had a powerful faith. Absolutely. Um so now let's move on to Mary as Theotokos. Now, we've talked about whoa, whoa, this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mary as what? The God bearer. Theotokos. Theotokos. Is that what language? That is Greek. Greek. The God bearer. Right. Theo is God. That's right. And, you know, we know that. And Tokos is bearer. I believe so. Carrier. Carrier, yes. So Theotokos, Mary is the God bearer. That's right. Okay. I just. <laughs> All right, keep carry on. We talked about this on an earlier episode. I don't remember the title of the one, but it was basically our episode on Christology, on Jesus Christ, on the two natures of Jesus. We actually talked about this, but that was a oh, while ago. Okay. So what do we mean 
when we say Theotokos, here's what we mean, that Mary is the God-bearer. So we can really, rightly, truly say that, that Mary birthed God. For nine months, she bore the Son of God. God himself yeah. in her womb. Now, you might be thinking, what in tarnation? How, did, how can a woman, how can a human have God in her womb? Are you saying that his, you know, Jesus' divine nature was in Mary's womb? What in the world are you talking about? Well, let's explain what do we mean when we say Mary can bear God in her own womb. You know, I just think there's a real important question that needs to be asked yes. here because— if we're going to delve into this, and she was the Theotokos's, Mary, did you know? Oh, gosh. <laughs> no. You knew I was going to put Mary, that in did there. did you know that your baby boy? All right, anyways. So there you go. I had to work in the Mary, did you know gosh. line. I, was, I have been waiting. I have been waiting this whole time oh, for, the, for the door to open. And that was the moment, Mary, did you know that you were going to be the Theotokos? <laughs> okay, we can keep going on now. Get back serious. So where are we getting this? It's translated God-bearer, and this was officially ratified at the Council of Ephesus in 431. So the reason we were even talking about this is there's this heretic named Nestorius who claimed— Not that Nostradamus. It, not Nostradamus, Nestorius, Nestorius, who claimed that Mary couldn't possibly have bore God. Why? Well, because God is divine. This would be impossible to ascribe to a human, so she should be called the man-bearer or the Christ-bearer, but not the bearer of God. Here's the problem with Nestorius, is that Nestorius wanted to separate God's person and his nature, and he wanted to say this, that there were two persons and there were two natures. So there is a divine nature that's omnipotent and omnipresent, and there's a human nature in the virgin's womb located on earth. Finite and limited. And there's a divine person from all of creation and also a human person. So now you've got almost like a chain gang. Split personality. Split personality. You know chain gangs from the old movies, the prisoners? They're loosely connected by this chain. Chain. Gang. Okay, I'm sorry. There's a song. There's a song. Okay. So they're loosely connected by this chain, but it's two different beings and two different people just loosely connected. So now we've got two saviors. We've got a human nature and a human person and a divine nature and divine person. It was all wacky and it was all messed up and it was all wrong. Okay. Am I making that clear enough? I yeah. know it's kind of kind of wild. And that's heresy. That's, that's not wrong. That's not what we believe. So then they're meeting at this council, and really um, thanks to Cyril of Alexandria, he stated that Mary can rightly be called the God bearer. Why? Because when we look at Jesus, we have this. We have one person but two natures. So Jesus has a divine nature, a nature there from all of eternity, a nature that's omnipresent, that's all-powerful, that knows everything, that created the universe and upholds it by his power. But he also has a human nature, one that he took from the Virgin Mary 2,000 years ago. It's two natures, but there's only one person. Right. Meaning that we're not talking about two different people, two different personalities. To, to, you know, like you and I right now are two different persons. You're Chris and I'm Evan, right? Right. So Jesus, though, isn't a Chris and an Evan. He's always just Jesus. Right. One person. 
that right. we talk about, that we describe, one person that saved us, but he has two different natures. That's why he's called sometimes the son of man, and sometimes he's That's called right. the son of God. That's correct. Because he has two natures, yep. but he's still the son. And Jesus person. is, and so maybe you've heard this term before, hypostatic union. You we may have heard that. that. Yeah. We've talked about that. Um, hypostasis means person in Greek. And so there's a union of divine nature and human nature in the one person of Christ. Right. And so who is Jesus as a person? He is God. And so we can rightly say that Mary bore God because who is Jesus as a person? He is God. And so what she did is she bore Christ's human nature, but she really truly bore God because who is that human? Who is his person? None else than the Son of God, the creator of the world, the Savior of the world. And Mary did not, by virtue of carrying him in her womb, that didn't transfer to her no. that she didn't bear his divine nature. That's correct. It was just the human nature. Just the human um, nature. And I, I'm just sitting here, the, the preacher in me is coming out, is that when we get saved, he who is one with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Mm. And I'm just thinking that we have this privilege now to be God bearers. Man, that's good. Christ bearers. Mm-hmm. We, we bear him. We carry him with us everywhere we go. Uh, not in a womb, but in our heart by faith mm-hmm. and in our spirits, and and uh, you know what she did is so marvelous and amazing, and they had to have a council over it. But just think, everybody that's born again carries, mm-hmm. you know, your human nature that's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But also now, we the Bible says so that you don't think I'm preaching heresy here. Peter said we have become partakers. Of the divine the nature, divine nature, yeah. Okay, that's that's, right. that's in first. I think it's mm-hmm. First Peter chapter one or Second Peter. It's either Second Peter, or First Peter chapter one. Read mm-hmm. it. That to me is one of the most powerful, overwhelming verses in the Bible. Mm-hmm. That we have been partakers of the divine nature. So anyway, that's I thought right. that's, that's pretty cool. But I just wanted to wanted to give you a little bit of deep theology there. Give you a little history lesson. Some wild stuff went down there, but that's who Mary is to us. And then finally, let's end with Joseph. Who is Joseph? I feel like Joseph doesn't get talked enough, talked about enough. We don't really discuss him a whole lot. And to be honest, to be fair, the scriptures don't discuss Joseph a lot. We don't really know what happened to him. Um, He may have died before Jesus died because it really, I, I think that's evident because Mary needs taken care of and various things like well, that. Well, he's never seen anymore at the yeah. wedding of Cana, Cana yeah. he's not there. Um, he's he, he's she's, he's gone. So mm-hmm. it makes it just most scholars think that he he did die because mm-hmm. he was older. Yeah. Um, but who is Joseph at the time of the announcement? Well, he's the husband of the Virgin Mary. But at the time of the announcement, they're just engaged. And we talked about this last episode. They're engaged, which like basically means they're married, but not married yet. They're betrothed. They're betrothed. So yeah, it's something we don't do. And 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 we know this. We talked about this last episode. He was of the seed of David. That's right. He was of the royal line of David. Mm-hmm. So he was actually of a kingly line. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yet he was not a king, and he didn't live in a palace. He lived in Nazareth, which was a little town that did not have a good reputation. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when can anything good, can anything good, you know, Nathaniel, yeah. was it Nathaniel asked, can anything yeah. good come out of Nazareth? Yeah. You know, so it wasn't, it wasn't a very reputable town and he was a carpenter. 
which doesn't mean necessarily he worked with wood. It could have been stone, uh, but but chances are real good that he was mm-hmm. he was a carpenter. So he was a blue collar worker in a small town. Still uh, had a good heritage and history, but it had no bearing on his present. Mm-hmm. Didn't give him any money. Didn't get him any positions. He was just just doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Paid his taxes. <laughs> you know, went to the census and just kind of was living. Yeah, living his life, which means that he provided a stable home for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus probably worked with him and learned the trade of a carpenter. Yeah, uh, chances are real good. Um, you know, took took his family to synagogue. There was a synagogue mm-hmm. at Nazareth, so we I'm sure they they went there because they knew them. Mm-hmm. Because when Jesus went back, they said, "Is this not the carpenter's son?" Mm-hmm. So they knew they knew Joseph, and they knew Jesus. Yeah. So small town. You know, if you're living in a small town, you can kind of identify here with Joseph. Right. Small town, blue collar worker, nine to five uh, tradesman. Uh, Seemed like a good man. He was going to divorce man. Uh, Mary quietly yeah. when he thought she had cheated on him. He was not going to try and you know bring shame to her name or anything like that. Yeah, you know, and then he stuck it out with her. He trusted God. Yeah, and uh, and believed in Him, um, which is which is an admirable quality. I know we discussed it last episode, but for those who maybe have skipped, who haven't listened to that yet, um, tell me the significance of Joseph coming from David's line. What does that mean for Jesus? Well, it means then that he's of the tribe of Judah, which is where the the royal line came out of, and, mm-hmm. of the, and he's of the lineage of David, which which is a royal line. So mm-hmm. he's he's in the royal line, even though he's just a carpenter because mm-hmm. there aren't any kings of Israel anymore. But it's still, he's in the bloodline. Mm-hmm. So even though Jesus is not the blood birth child of Joseph, because he is, Mary is also. So because he is born in the tribe of Judah in that line, then it fulfills the messianic prophecies That's right. where Jesus is to be the king who will sit on the throne of David forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you this. What uh, little little imagination area here, what kind of influence do you think Joseph had on Jesus, Jesus and how much do you think when Joseph went to his grave, how much knowledge do you think he had that his son was extraordinary? Mm-hmm. I mean, even to the point, did Joseph, or let me just ask you this way. Did Joseph go to his grave knowing this child that I've helped raise is the Messiah and the Son of God? I think he did because the angels announced it. I don't think he knew exactly what that meant. Not even Jesus' own disciples did till really, you know, post-resurrection, reception of the Holy Spirit. But I think he knew in his own framework, this kid is the Messiah. And one of two things, he either knew this kid special or I'm the greatest dad in the universe because Jesus was without sin. <laughs> so he never got a spank. Did Jesus ever get a spanking? Jesus never got Did a Did Jesus spanking. ever sit in the corner? No. There's, Did Jesus ever have time out? Never. I mean, all these other kids are out there acting up, and they're going, why can't you be more like Jesus? Jesus. <laughs> Maybe that's why his brothers hated him so Maybe. much, his stepbrothers. They're getting whoopings and Mary, stuff, and Mary, Jesus is like, told you. Mary told him all the time, why can't you be more like your older brother? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I mean, Jesus was probably sacrificial from his from an early age. He was probably a helper, probably did stuff from other people. I mean, 
Jesus is Jesus, and he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with men and his human nature, but he was without sin all the way. And so he lived that out. And so I imagine his parents were like pretty blown away. And do you think then that's why they were shocked when they went to the temple? They went up for the feast, and then they traveled two days or whatever it was and couldn't find him, and they had to go back to Jerusalem, and they searched everywhere, and they finally found him in the temple he was 12 years old. Yeah. And, you know, they said, don't, don't you know, we've been searching for you. You've been, mm-hmm. you know, in essence, we, we've been out of our minds. And he said, don't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Mm-hmm. How do you think Joseph reacted at that moment when he yeah. actually referred to somebody else other than him as his father? He was, I don't even know what you think at that point. How do you even process that? I mean, I, I assume he picked up knowing that he's talking about God. But he's like, what is wrong with this kid? Like, yeah, because <laughs> what is going on? his father's business obviously was carpentry. Carpentry, yeah. But here he's saying, don't you know? And he's in the temple, you know, answer, asking these questions and yeah. answering these questions. Mm-hmm. And their the scribes are like shocked. Who, who is this kid? This kid knows more than we do. And and then he tells his daddy, I got to be about my father's business. I feel like I, I want to use the correct language here. I feel like his family probably knew that there is something a little odd about Jesus, not in a bad way, not like that, but they really thought that he was a crazy person. Like his family came and said, like, are you out of your mind? Yeah, not, not like Mary and Joseph. No. Yeah, but, the, but, but his siblings. But like his siblings and stuff, yeah. because he's teaching and preaching, and he's spouting all of this wisdom, and he's got crowds around him and doing this whole ministry. And so they're like, what? what is going on? Like this guy never messes up his whole life. He's been a carpenter. He's just doing what his dad did, and now he's out here preaching. Like, what is that? Like, who is this guy? You know, yeah. and that's even why his hometown was so offended at him. Who do you think you are? You do blue collar work. What? Is, why are you speaking with this authority, with this Moses like authority, this God like? Like, what is happening right now? I I think when he became. I'm going to use this term on purpose, a rabbi, mm-hmm. because that's what he was. They it called is. him that, yeah. Rabboni, rabbi. So in that context, he became a rabbi. You know, it'd be, it, it would be like, I guess, you know, somebody who's grown up in the family trade of a plumber or a carpenter or whatever, and, and they're, they're, they're learning with their dad, and they work with their dad, and all of a sudden one day they look at their dad and they say, God's called me in the ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to start preaching. And they just, he quits the job, the family business, and and starts itinerant preaching. I mean, it would have been similar to that. Mm-hmm. Of course, Joseph was probably dead by the time that happened. Yeah, but um, um, it, 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 I guess the thought I'm thinking is, up until that point, he was he was just a just a dude, ordinary guy, <laughs> nine to five work, yeah. came home, just you know, there's nothing extraordinary about Jesus other than I guess. His character, his moral character, mm-hmm. that, he, that he never sinned, he never did what was wrong. Mm-hmm. But they, that's why I think they were shocked at Nazareth when he came back. Now he's got these crowds, and they're, he's got a reputation. They're like, who do you think you mm-hmm. are? You know, It's wild. Because, and a lot of that had to do with, not in a bad way, but because of Joseph. They just, yeah. is this not the carpenter's son? You know, you're just, you're the guy from the family business. Yeah. And then, of course, they couldn't see him as the Messiah. Can I ask you a rabbit trail question? Yeah. Um, did Jesus ever mess up a carpentry project? Did he ever hit his thumb with a hammer? Did he get the measurement wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's. I'm afraid sinless. to. I'm afraid to answer because I'm afraid I would blaspheme. I don't. I don't know. I don't either. What? Okay, he's sinless. It's not a sin to hit your thumb. Yeah, I mean that would just be. And his human nature can still die. So it's. So he could have error in judgment with hand-eye coordination. I feel like he could do that. Yeah. Or, I feel like he could do that. Yeah, because if you get a mathematical calculation wrong where you're trying to measure and you forget that it's supposed to make the cut 12 inches and you make it 11 inches, I mm-hmm. mean, that's... He just like would react, instead of cussing or something, he would just be like Bob Ross and just be like, well, there's no mistakes in your world, just happy little accidents. <laughs> Like, yeah. like, he's just cool with it. Everybody else is mad. <laughs> Joseph's throwing Jesus stuff. To Bob Ross. <laughs> Jesus is Bob Ross, and Joe's tossing stuff. He's breaking stuff. He just lost money. I have no idea. Oh, no. <laughs> I just laugh as you compare Jesus to Bob Ross, or Bob Ross to Jesus. You compare Jesus to Bob Ross. Folks, Merry oh, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Little, bringing a little joy in your life. I have not. Lord, I'm sorry if this if this was wrong. Or I think the Lord's probably pious. laughing. He's probably laughing. He's, I, we have no idea. He's getting a good, having a good time with this one. <laughs> Anyways, we hope that you've enjoyed this lighthearted episode. We just wanted to highlight Jesus' parents, ask some funny questions. We, we went from like deep theology, church councils, to is Jesus Bob Ross? In a manner matter of minutes, so pretty exciting episode, I'd say. I, I'd say we've covered the gambit. We have covered it. So, anyways, thank you so much for joining. Rate, subscribe, like, share the episode. Have a merry Christmas. Remember the reason for the season. Yeah, have a merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. We love you very much, and we will see you back in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.